Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Zero Weakness Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Go to establishmentcoffee.com.au. Use the code 025 and get 25% off your order and free shipping. We are back with another episode with the fam today. Um, before we get into it, our favorite segment, <laughs> Thomas, what's your grievance this week? I actually haven't thought about this at all. Um, my grievance is you guys judging my life choices. What'd you do? <laughs> what were the life choices that we judged? <laughs> well, flying to Sydney tonight and not having a flight booked yet. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure the listeners would agree that's a bit... <laughs> Yeah, but how? What what difference does it make buying a bus ticket or going to the bus stop and then buying a bus ticket while you're there? About $10,000. <laughs> That's about the difference. Nah, the flights don't actually change that much, especially at the moment because they're so empty. If anything, they're cheaper now. So a bit of context. And wait, 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 wait. Let me... Okay, well, no, you give the context first and then I'll say what I was going to say. Okay, so a bit of context behind uh, this. Thomas is asking why we're judging his life choices. He's hit us with a, oh, I can't do a podcast tomorrow because I might be in South Africa. <laughs> We're like, what? Might, might. How do you, you're either going to South Africa or you're not. That's something you plan out well in advance. So that's why we're laughing because we were like, what, what do you mean you just might be in South Africa? Well, I mean, that's pretty clear. I might be. Or I might be home. It's not 100% confirmed yet. Normally it's like, I might be in Byron Bay. Like, you know. Somewhere short. What's but the difference? What's the about difference? Five thousand dollars <laughs> no, and no, no. thirty hours. <laughs> no, no, no. So let me explain. Let me explain the last minute system, right? Because people freak out when you book things last minute. They're, oh, it's going to be so much more expensive. It's a risk, but often it's not. So, the way that pricing works is ages in advance. It's cheap. As you get closer, it starts to get more expensive because it's like punishing the people that are booking late. And then when they get right close to the date and no one's booked it, then it's like super cheap. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. But this is irrelevant because how I'm flying to South Africa is a, is a little bit different. Talk to us. No, no, no. I just get special benefits oh. uh, through through family. Shout out mom. Nice. Shout out mom. But uh, I can't say what because you get in trouble apparently. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you don't, but she always says, don't tell anyone, Thomas. You cannot tell anyone what's happening. Like if it was illegal, we couldn't do it, mum. Do you want to, okay, so can you tell us why you're going to South Africa? Oh, I'm going to South Africa because, um, I don't actually know how to say his name, but Kurt Keogh, <laughs> I don't know, my brew over there. We're going to go have brew, eat some brewers. Lacquer. Um, Kurt is competing in a, in a competition called Elite Raw, which is kind of like Pro Raw and Invitational over there. Uh, and I basically said to him a little while ago, look, man, if I can, if I can get over there in a hurry, I'll, I'll go over there and support you. And so, um, yeah, I had a chat with my mom. Looks like it's possible. So I'm going to jump on a plane and go, go hang out. Have you ever been to a powerlifting club in South Africa? No, I've been to South Africa once and I wanted to meet some powerlifters and I chatted to some friends I've got over there um, who do powerlifting but couldn't line anything up while I was over there. So this is my first experience of, of powerlifting in SA. Um, I've been coaching Kurt now for a little while. I'm not sure how long, maybe a year or so. Um, and he's done one one competition since I've been coaching him. And the scene is the scene's not too bad over there. Uh, they got a good powerlifting scene. And if you follow any South African powerlifters, there are a lot of strong people over there. What, why are they so strong? Because I've only seen very incredibly strong South African. There's no mediocre ones. Well, They're James, all freaks. If when you're walking to school, you have to fight off a lion, you're going to develop <laughs> a strength in your genes as well, I think. Across the safari you know, what, to, what, to you, what do you have to fight off in the Philippines? <laughs> Besides murderers and gunmen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. You don't have to fight them. They shoot you, you're gone. Yeah. You just, so you just get guns. And yep. Stay little. No, nah, fair Or in, in, Christ, little. in Christchurch, what do you got to fight off? A hedgehog? Yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's Frostbite. The, yeah, Frostbite the, in the winter. Black ice on the footpath. <laughs> slip and hurt your ankle. Cool. Just on that, so most people I talk to, they've been to powerlifting comps in New Zealand, Australia, America. This is quite a, an anomaly, being able to go to South Africa for a powerlifting comp. What other countries have you been to for powerlifting comps? Oh, shit, that's a good question. Because um, you, you don't really hear of, well, for me, I don't look at other comps besides the big ones in Australia and America. 
Yeah, and it's a very different experience seeing like seeing a powerlifting comp or seeing a lifter that you have overseas doing a powerlifting comp versus actually being there. You know, when you're at a powerlifting comp, you see the warm-up room, you see the dynamic, you see the organization. When you watch a video, you just see the platform. And you can look at the platform and say, oh, that was shit or that was great. Um, but you don't really get a handle. You can you can have a bad-looking powerlifting comp from a video that's actually awesome or a really good-looking comp that's actually terrible. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to go to powerlifting comps, yeah, all over the place. Um, I've been to a bunch of different ones in America. I've been to um, a couple in Germany, a couple in Hungary, um, Ireland, uh, Czech. I've been twice to Czech. Um, off the top of my head, a bunch more, but I, yeah, I'd, I'd have to sit down and make a list. What would be your best experience so far at a comp? Um, sorry, Serbia was one. Best experience, like best culture, everything. Where you're like, well, this is different and this is crazy and this is nothing like I've seen before. It doesn't have to be like, sorry, I shouldn't say a best experience. What was your craziest experience? Oh, man. You put me on the spot here. We'll have to do an episode one day where I, I sort of log through all the comps I've been to and because I've got some crazy stories from overseas. That'll be cool. Because, um, uh, I mean, the best competitions that I've ever been to are in Australia. I, I haven't been to a competition better than um, better than Australia. And some of the comps that I've been to that were um, meant to be like ground groundbreaking, earth-shattering comps, like the, the Kern US Open was actually pretty terrible. Yeah. It was a bad comp, bad equipment, bad organization, really terrible warm up room. Like a lot of a lot of it was just terrible. Um, one of the craziest comps I can think of, uh, just in terms of like how wild it was, was probably Serbia, um, GPC Worlds, and like I think it was twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen GPC Worlds, and it was just crazy because of the sheer amount of people that congested everywhere we went, like. The warm-up room was fit for maybe 50 people and we'd have like 200 people in there. Like you could okay. not move. Like when you, were, when you were doing a squat to warm up, there were literally like buzzing people around you so close to the bar. I don't know how no one died there. It was wild. And it was in like a um, like a theater setup, you know, the, the stadium sort of seats indoors in like a theater performance hall. Uh and there was so much seating, but everyone came out the back and there was no policing of it. So there's tiny little warm-up area behind the stage and there were so many people. Uh, and so, I, I don't know, it's hard to say because the, the actual experience of being there also changes the experience of the comp. You know, so I was coaching Team New Zealand and Australia at that competition. Um, I don't think I lifted myself. I think I just had surgeries. Um, and... Uh, the the food in Serbia is ridiculously cheap and it was in the middle of nowhere. So getting to the location in the first place, we had to go through all these army checkpoints where they'd make us stop the car. They'd just be in the middle of the night because we arrived at like 10 p.m. Middle of the night, country road, two hours out of the major city, the bunch of guys with AK-47 standing on the road. So you see them in the distance. The first time you don't realize it's army. You're like, oh God, we're dead. They're standing in the middle of the road and they're real angry. Like, why are you here? Like, we're going to a powerlifting comp. And then a whole bunch of people had already been before us. And they're like, oh, cool. And they start asking questions, like playing with our belts and stuff. Uh, but it was like that, five checkpoints along the way. You know what's, um, <clears throat> what I'd love to go to is a WRPF comp in Russia. Yeah, well, we were meant to do, um, we were meant to do Worlds this year in Russia, but of course all the stuff happening in Ukraine has, has um, stopped that. Uh, there's been a couple of missed opportunities to Russia and hopefully once the world comes down, it's possible again. It's crazy because they're, they're huge comps in terms of money and prize and yeah. it's massive. For a lot of them, it's their full-time job, isn't it? Just powerlifting. They For get sure. paid by the government Yeah. every time they win a comp or something like that. Yeah, a lot of countries are like that in general. So like in the islands, um, the government, if they're at an IOC recognized comps, if you break a record or win a medal, you'll get a stipend, Yeah, uh, which is really important to the athletes because it's what feeds their family. It's crazy. It's, it's really sad actually. Like if they get sponsorship to go to a major comp, they can come back and they can essentially feed, back, feed their family for a year if they do well. Yeah, well. Whereas if they have to sell fun to a comp, it'll cost them like years of feeding their family. 
you know, so it's 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 tricky. Uh, there was a South African lifter I was meant to go, uh, sorry, PNG lifter that I was meant to go support at IPF Worlds in, in South Africa, but he just couldn't get the funding. So I'm hoping in the future, hopefully from next year, uh, Zero can sponsor these lifters that I have connections with in the islands and, and get them over to these competitions because not only is it really um, cool to see them get out of their country and, and be able to showcase what they've got on a platform, it, it actually, you know, genuinely supports their livelihood. That's awesome. So hopefully we can That's do so that. Cool. Just one more quick story about Serbia. I just remembered something as well. So you land in um, you land in Bulgaria and you drive across the border to get to where this comp was in Serbia. And at the border, I was busting to pee. Like I'd just gotten off an international flight and, I, I, well, it's no news for you guys. I pee every 20 seconds anyway. So we were stuck in this like border crossing line for maybe 45 minutes. And I'm like, I was with Steve Hampton. I'm like, Steve, I got to go. And he's like, man, just jump out. There's no one around. Just jump out and go pee behind that building. I'm like, okay. So I went out and while I was pissing on this building, a guy, uh, I hear footsteps behind me and he's like, what are you doing? And I turned around and there was a guy with an AK-47. <laughs> I'm like, oh God! I'm like, I'm so sorry. I had to go. He couldn't understand what I was saying, and he he was just staring at me with this gun. I'm like, far out! And so he walks around the corner and comes back with a hose and just hands it to me. <laughs> Stood there watching over me, basically at gunpoint, hosing away my piss off the wall. It's terrifying. Oh, that's so good. How would I explain that to Steve? You know, if I if I got arrested, held at gunpoint because of pissing on the wall. Like, where is Thomas? He'd forget about me anyway. Be like, ah, he's probably made his own way to the comp. I'll just leave. Uh, I love that he held you at gunpoint hosing. Okay, that's a bit embellished. He, he probably wasn't actually pointing the gun at me, but that's that's how I'm choosing to remember it. Yeah, yeah. felt like. You felt it in the back of your head. He definitely had a gun. And you said, I'm not willing to go out this way. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so what have we been up to? How's training been? How's... I guess you guys coaching. Training's been all right. I'm in week one of my peak. Day one was oh, yesterday. Everything's hurting, but yeah, <laughs> we'll push through. We'll get there. Got nationals in six weeks. Less than six Damn. weeks now. I think it's five weeks and a few days. So that's come around really fast. So yeah, just getting organized for that. And yeah, that's about it on my end. Nice. Tom, bro. Equip, bro. Not equipped yet. I got to rehab this... Um, Adductor first. Uh, this was meant to be week one, but I might be going to South Africa, so I <laughs> might be. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be training uh, properly this week. I started day one, week one yesterday of just a general program to lose some weight and rehab this adductor. Been a bit disrupted the last couple of weeks with um, Jordan staying with me and just doing some touristy stuff and and working to catch up on things at night. Uh, so just chill at the moment, just doing what I can when I can. But um, once I get back and into routine next week. If I go to South Africa, then we're full steam ahead. Nice. Um, me, my training's a little bit non-existent. Oh, no, I'm actually still training. I'm still training like four times. I'm still You're training. you training heaps. Yeah, no, yeah, I am. I'm still <laughs> training. Uh, I'm running now, so I'm running. I'm trying to run two to three times a week, and I'm playing basketball again. Now that my arms aren't sore from low bar squats, I can shoot a basketball. Yeesh. So, uh, yeah, I was meant to have my first game back yesterday. But your boy had a big night Saturday, which uh, Oops. yeah, carried on a little bit too long, so I couldn't play Sunday night. <laughs> but, you know, it's a new week, so I start again. I'll play this weekend. So I'm actually really excited to get back on the court uh, with all my Filipino brethren. So that's exciting. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm just working towards the half marathon again. Nice. A new goal and just trying to lift weights and get jacked at the same time. When you're playing on the Filipino team, do you have, had, have to do like additional street fighting or boxing training? Because I know you guys get in a bit of scraps pretty often. So, so you've been to a, they're, yeah. they're pretty hectic. They nearly joined in. Yeah. There was some dog shots. Mm, so spiciest team on the coast. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. And you know when you play, if you play a team full of a, well, they're called, uh, in the Filipino, you call them titos, so like uncles. Yeah. And if they got shorts that go down to their mid shins, <laughs> they got multiple sweatbands on, you know not to fuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> you already know they're going to drop an elbow. Yeah. And especially if they've got ankle socks on with their basketball shoes, you know not to mess with them. It's a bad man. Yeah, they're from the old school. You just don't want to fuck with them. So like when there's a team full of titos, you, you know, you know, all right, we've got to play clean. And because they don't, if you're younger than them, like that's it. You can't disrespect them. You know that, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like there's, elders. Yeah, there's oh, yeah. no chance you disrespect anything. them. And I'm half Filipino, so some of that shit I don't care about. Oh, 
And though, so sometimes I get a little bit, well, actually last year I fouled out like, did I foul out in the final? I did. Eh? Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fouled out. That's, so, that's the Scotsman coming yeah. out. <laughs> so I foul out, I've, last year I fouled out like four times. Um, but yeah, normally, normally you, you show the Tito some respect, but I'm like, nah, I don't know you. You're not my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, nah, that's that. What about you, CJ? Um, well, I've just gone through round two of the spicy cough. So I haven't been training. Um, had a, most of the last week off. Um, but up until that point I was doing, yeah, a lot of volume and really enjoying it. Um, all volume PBs, never repped out this much weight before. So, um, yeah, it's it's awesome to see uh, the progress. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I can get back into it soon because, yeah, I really miss it now. I'm not I'm not keen on the doms that comes from not trading for so long. So, yeah, yeah it's not going to be fun. CJ's going to squat 300 very soon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for sure. Especially when he stops wearing those little bandages around his knees. <laughs> And what put little puts, bandages? Put some real wraps on. Yeah. Oh, okay. The stretchy little <laughs> little bandages. Band-aids. Johnson and Johnson bandages. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're the ones you put over a wound. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's gauze. It's not even actual knee wraps. That's all right. Yeah. Now you'll get them in. That's all right. It's, yeah. a, it's like when people come to the gym and they've seen like powerlifters wear knee sleeves, so they bring like those volleyball padded ones. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like I'm ready for action. I got my sleeves on. Yeah. <laughs> For, for the record, we don't make fun of them externally. We just mm. think it in our heads. And if you're watching this and you think that you don't, you do. So don't lie to yourself. Yeah, Volleyball. yeah I wore the first time I, I brought rock tape knee sleeves that I had from CrossFit. And I remember I used to literally be able to just slide them on really easily. I was like, why is everyone fucking, everyone needs to get knee sleeves that fit them because I was watching everyone struggle and I was like, oh, I think I'm the one in the wrong now. I used to put my doings on before I left home. <laughs> I'd, I'd drive to the gym in my doings and they had like they had like a sparkly strap in the wooden heel and everything the doings are classic classic what are doings they're like the og um weightlifting shoe not the og but one of the ogs like before everyone was wearing nikes and adidas yeah like to give you context when i bought my you know those orange ones i wear yes when they came out you couldn't buy them in australia and it was so long ago that to get it i had to print out a sheet write credit card details on it, and then fax it to the company in America. That's how old they are. Yeah, it's crazy. I've CJ's like, a, what, what the I've never a, sent a fax in my life. What the fuck is a fax machine? <laughs> Do people still use fax machines? No, you just send it on a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my first pair of weightlifting shoes as well, I had to order from America. You couldn't get them anywhere here. Yeah. Did, could you buy them off um, East Bay? Back That's then? where I got mine, yeah. East Bay. I used to get everything yeah. off East Bay, all my training shorts, all like wrestling shoes because you couldn't buy them here. Yeah, Everyone deadlifted in, in wrestling shoes. So you were the cool kid because everyone would be in volleys or Converse and you'd rock up in wrestling shoes and they're like, well, this guy's from the internet. <laughs> from the internet. Right. <laughs> yeah, He's <laughs> from the internet. I've always got a little bit more respect for someone when I still see them wearing do-wins because people that wear do-wins wear it like a badge of honor. Yeah, because they've been around forever. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I've been in this sport longer than you. But it's normally the people that have also made no progress for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Myself included. I brag about the equipment I've had for ten years. It's like, yeah, you've you've maintained the strength that the equipment <laughs> provided for ten years as well. That it provided. Oh, oh that's man. So good. How, how do you get? Because East Bay doesn't ship stuff here anymore, no. do they? Right, that's, you can get weightlifting shoes anywhere now. Yeah, mm. you can buy them from like Rebel, can't you? Yeah, the Nike oh, Romaleos. Wow. Pretty crazy how accessible they've become. I mean, it's it's good. Mm. It's really good. It um, still baffles me as well. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, everyone's got weightlifting shoes now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's got heels. It's funny as a coach when um, when you've, you know, you've made really good progress with a lifter and they're lifting in flats and then, like, their, bless them, their beloved partner or something is like, oh, this person's into lifting and then buys them shoes. And the person doesn't actually know that much about lifting. They're like, oh, my partner got me these shoes and they're for lifting and I love them. And you want to tell them, they're great, but I don't actually want you to wear them. Mm. We can wear them for accessories and stuff, but they're actually changing the way you squat, and I don't like it as your coach. <laughs> it's really hard to have that conversation sometimes. Because they're, they're like $300 as yeah, well. Yeah, and the partner would be like, why aren't you wearing the shoes I got you? <laughs> oh, man. Because my dumbass coach told me not to. 
Oh, wow. How good. Uh, you guys got any client shout outs from this past week or so? Billy. Yeah. My yeah. little client, Billy, he comes in three times a week. He's absolutely amazing. And James told me today, Ebony, was it Ebony, his mm. carer? Yeah. says it's the highlight of his day coming in here. Yeah. And For he's a little, amazing. Give them a little bit of context. Um, so Billy, Billy's 20. He's, um, he's got autism. And it's a really big deal for him to sort of come out and, and speak to people and meet new people and be in a mm. new environment. And he's just, he absolutely loves it here. He comes in here um, Mondays, Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays and just gives it his all. And he's just the sweetest little guy. Loves a chat, loves Buddy. Always gets so excited to see Buddy. And he's a really good guitarist too, Billy the Music Man. Yeah. Give him a little shout out. Follow him oh, on Instagram. Can, <laughs> can you... I'll have a jam yes. with him and see. <laughs> can you yes. tell? Can you tell them the story about uh, the rescue dog? Oh, about yeah. So there's Buster as well. Yeah, yeah. who's next door, and he's a rescue dog, and Buddy's a rescue dog, and we told Billy, and um, Billy thinks that they're. Uh, how would you explain it? That the actual rescue dogs, that if he's in trouble, that they'll come and, and yeah. they'll help him. They'll th- save him if he's ever hurt at the gym. It was so it's good. so sweet. Because for ages, I didn't know what he was talking about whenever yeah. he'd say it to me. And then I was like, I finally clicked one day. He's like, oh, he thinks they're, they're yeah. going to go and rescue him. He's like, yeah, but lucky Buddy's here. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. He's like, if I ever hurt myself at the gym, he's like, Buddy can sit with me while Buster goes for help. Yeah. It's so sweet. <laughs> Well, Buddy did rescue me, but I can speak from experience. I've been injured in front of Buddy multiple times. Like <laughs> does not give do two shits. <laughs> injured in front of Buddy. <laughs> he normally does about what he's doing right now. But, oh, you tore an adductor? Again, loser. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Oh, Thomas, man. you got some client shout outs. You got a, had about a thousand clients compete at Pro Raw that all killed it. I did. I, I'm I'm generally not one for for client shout outs in general because I don't I don't know. I, I'm I'm proud of everyone that I coach and I, I love working with everyone that I coach and I, I don't want anyone to feel like they're they're not getting shouted out kind of thing. However, um sometimes I think of, you know, what what is the ideal client? What does the ideal client look like? Um uh what kind of client makes coaching you know, the best job in the world. And the name that consistently comes to my mind uh, straight up as the number one is Sue Fitzsimmons. I knew you were going to yeah. say Sue. Sue is unbelievable. She like is. Sue is, uh, you know, the saying, you know, um, always be the hardest worker in the room. Or if you're not the hardest worker in the room, find a different room. That's <laughs> Sue, you know. Sue is, she works her ass off. She puts her head down. She gets it done. I don't think I've ever heard Sue complain. No. I've heard her talk about, you know, I've got pain here. I've got this going on. Uh, I've never heard her complain. Sue has um, uh, Sue has some movement deficiencies. You know, she's got issues with her ankles. I've never heard it be – I've never heard her complain about it. I've never heard it be a crutch since she's been aware of it. She just works her ass off and she just makes nonstop consistent pro progress because she has complete faith and trust in the system uh she does everything she's told she's one of the most compliant clients she's again she just embodies what the perfect client is and she's just an all-round amazing person she's so lovely for sure she's tough tough as nails yeah like she's nothing phases her no but yeah like bridget said she's so sweet and yeah yeah. everyone loves her she's a legend sue thank you for making this place and this job amazing shot sue you're the best um, me, I've got a few to shout out this week. I'll start with Peter Dolan, my f- midget man, the nudie run king over in New Zealand. <laughs> the nudie run king. Yeah. What? There's a, you could look it up on the internet. There's an article of him streaking at a rugby game. <laughs> oh, <no>. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. but I didn't know it. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So he squatted last week. Uh, his comp got cancelled. The Wolfpack comp. Yeah. So they got cancelled. So he's kind of just... We're moving more into a, like a development phase. Is uh, he going to do the Viking Brothers comp? I'm not too sure yet. I haven't spoken to him about it. Home ground advantage. Yeah, that's true. Surely he will. Mm. But um, <clears throat> if that comes into it, we'll mix the plan up a little bit. But we're just trying to get healthy, get his arms and shoulders a little bit better again. But he squatted 250 for eight in sleeves last Damn. week. 
which was absolutely nuts. He's under 90. Yeah. Like he's he's a phenomenal squatter. Yeah, and he's shorter than me. So for reference, I'm five foot five or five foot six. Being generous. <laughs> I think Peter's like four foot two. Yeah. No, he's not that short. <laughs> no, he's, and he's from New Zealand. He's a real life Gimli. <laughs> he's the man. The man. Um, Very funny stories as well. Yeah, he's a legend. Who else have I got? Uh... Amy and Lexi, they're killing it at the moment. They're all peaking for the same comp. I got my boy, uh, Lem Shanty. Yeah. Uh, he He's also doing really well. He's just hit everything so far. I think in the last four or five weeks has been PBs for him. Um, so he's prepping for APL Nationals. He got invited to IPF Worlds as well. Nice. He got invited to the Breakthrough Comp yep. in Sydney. Is he going to do a 10 times bodyweight deadlift? I hope so. <laughs> He's on track. <laughs> like he only needs to pull 200. <laughs> but he's the man. He's another one. That, um, he's also, like Thomas said before about Sue, he's just so compliant and he doesn't really ask questions. He just has faith in the system. Even though it's things he's never done before. Mm. Things I give him for sets of four, he's only ever done for singles. Mm. Um, and he just does it. He'll do them for like, you know, five sets of four. And he's another great guy to coach. Um, but I worked it out the other day. I think I got like eight to 10 people competing at APL Nationals. Mm. Damn. So it's kind of cool that I've, uh, I'm not competing there anymore. So it's going to be really cool that I'm just going to be a fully devoted coach for those three days. Awesome. Which is going to be fun. A busy weekend. Mm. Dang. That's a lot of clients. Um, what's new? What's happening here at Zero? Uh, we got, we're plugging a new gym. That's just the Zero Brisbane one. Yeah, Zero Brisbane is now fully, fully fledged and opened. Um, it looks unreal in there. Jamie and Lisa have done such a good job of, of cleaning up the place and they're doing an amazing job of running the place. So thank you, Jamie and Lisa. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't play favorites with the Zero gyms, but oh, that gym has grown on me really quick. It's, it's so beautiful. It's mm. really cool mm. in there. Really, really cool. In there. <laughs> um, there's still a little bit of things to, to do before it's uh, finalized and, and we'll do an open day once it is. Uh, we still got to put in a shower uh, that's in the middle of being built. So that's not too far away. Um, and just tidying up a few little cosmetic things. They've got to change the stairs in there. Um, couple, uh, we got to carpet the offices, stuff like that. A couple of little things that um, that have slowed down since the builders have taken on other work, but they're... they're um, coming back to finish things off. What's happening with that cement hole? Why do you have to hurt me like that? <laughs> <laughs> so the question what is that? What There's was a that? hole in the floor. What was it originally? <laughs> oh, the, the 20 wait, meter wait, drop. Wait. <laughs> Are you talking about the hole at the back of the gym? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That's plugged. What was that originally? No, no. That's just an access point to get ah, under the building. Gotcha. I was yeah. wondering what that was too. Yeah, yeah no. It's, it's just a manhole. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> when that hole was exposed. Wait, is there another hole that. No, I sorry. Okay. I thought you were talking about that ledge in the back corner. Ah, because everyone asks, "What are you doing with this?" It's, you can't do anything with it. It's so under it is like indestructible rock where you yeah. need a full size excavator to get it out. So we can't take out this this ledge thing, and it's it's a little bit of an eyesore. So we have to get creative as to how we're going to make it functional. At the moment, it's is the, that where all the combo racks are, and then you've yeah. got the ledge there. I At the moment, cool. it's the sit on sit on the ledge between sets ledge. Yeah, that's kind of cool though. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think in my opinion, I've never been to Mackay. Mackay looks awesome, but out of the gyms I've been to, that's I reckon aesthetically the nicest looking mm. gym. Yeah, yeah, like it's just a looks like a really nice gym. Everything about it, I love. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool how each each of the gyms have their own little little character. You know, mm. like Southside's cozy and it's got the brick walls and mm. um, it's got an interesting vibe there because of the shape of it. I don't know why I'm so burpy. Um, Ground Zero, you know, is has the mezzanine, the split level, the massive mural. It's a little bit more used, you know. It's a, it's a mm. bit more loved, so that kind of adds character. And then Brisbane's really clean and brand new. Um, Mackay is also very clean, um, but spread out. It's a it's a, a bigger space in terms of because it's a bit more square. Most of the gyms are sort of rectangle. So it's spread out a little bit different and kind of gives it a different vibe. It's crazy how those little things make such a difference with, with how a gym feels. Mm. But it's really cool. Like if you guys ever get the chance to go up to Mackay, you know, hopefully we can take a bunch of us to the APL comp there in August, you know, maybe go up as a team so you guys can actually see it up there. Um, I'll pay for your flights. And when I say me, I mean Southside, so Daniel can pay for your flights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully we can take a bunch of us up there so you can actually get a feel of the place. Um it's really cool that despite the differences in character, everywhere you go feels like a zero. Yeah, it, yeah. Even if you don't know any of the members there, you'll feel like you're in a zero, 
which is unique. You know, I go to other gyms and sometimes I feel like I'm in a powerlifting gym, like a generic powerlifting gym. But when I go to a zero, even if I know no one there, it feels like home. That's what I love. Everyone's bought into the zero community. So I go to Southside. I don't know. I don't know people, but they'll come up and introduce themselves. It's really cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I always want to now find an excuse to go up and train in Brisbane. <laughs> it's, a, it's such a dope gym. Aircon. We'll go then. <laughs> go there. I'm not holding Ditches him here, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll do this open day and we'll get everyone up there and have a have a big party. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll smoke sure. some brisket on my new smoker. Oh, yeah. good. Yes. Finally. Snake method. I can't wait. Where are you going to keep that thing? Next question. How are you going <laughs> to move it? <laughs> it's got wheels. <laughs> <laughs> rolls the thing's huge. All right. Um, I believe we have some comps coming up. A lot of comps coming up. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. The USAPL comp that's coming up uh, next month. Month July. after. July. Oh, sorry. 16th. Yeah, July 16th. So I believe that'll be the first USAPL comp in Queensland. Correct. Yep. Yeah, so that's going to be awesome. And obviously, everybody who's invested in specifically the Instagram powerlifting scene. Uh, they're all really huge fans of the USAPL, so they're really well run. I don't know, if, I don't know about you, Thomas, but I think it's the most well run federation in the world. Oh, I, I, I'm really bad with this kind of stuff. I don't really pay attention. I'm just looking at entries. We're up to we're up to 15 entries, so I'm I'm mm. hoping to get about 30 for the first ever USAPL comp in um, in Queensland. So we'll keep pushing that. And um, entries entries are limited, so we're probably going to cap it at 30. If you are listening and you want to do it and you're just holding out, don't hold out. Just go enter. Because um, the spots will fill up and you you'll potentially miss out, but yeah, I, I don't actually pay attention outside of Australia too much. But um, I've heard the same. Yeah, I think they've got the most members out of any federation in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, USAPL, really? yeah. Now having now having dealt with um, USAPL directly, and you know the the people that are running it here, um, you know in Queensland we've got Josh. He's the he's the state chair, Josh Takua, and then the people that um, are sort of linked in from a organizational perspective in, in Australia or down in Melbourne, it is very professionally run. There are really good systems and standards in place, um, which is unique in powerlifting. Um, uh, USPA, so the IPL affiliate, uh, is very much the same. And since Daniel's taken over as president of APL, he's starting to implement a lot of those same strategies. So it's good to see powerlifting in general um, taking a leg up in professionalism in a few select federations in Australia. Yeah. I um I this is a random <laughs> fact for everyone. I'm I I don't have much confidence saying this now that I'm saying it out loud, but I'm pretty sure USAPL Texas, so Justin Texas has more members than the whole of powerlifting in America. What? Yeah. Because you know how Tex, uh, powerlifting in Texas high schools is huge? Uh, they got thousands in the high schools. Thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands. So I'm pretty sure there's more members in USAPL Texas than there are in the whole of America. Josh Decor, do some number crunching for us. We need yeah. your stats. Bring that up, Josh. Because the Australians really want to know how many USAPL <laughs> members there are in Texas. <laughs> Specifically Texas. Just a random Henny powerlifting fact. Love it. We got um, Women of Power coming up Yeah, as that's- well. The day after. Yeah, it's a dual weekend. So we're going to run USAPL on the Saturday and then Mm -hmm. Women of Power on the Sunday. That's a really fun comp. I always say uh, that our novice comps are like my favorite comps that we run here. Uh, Just the environment. It's really fun and friendly. Uh, You don't have to wear soft suits. Anyone, uh, all strength experiences, levels, whatever, they're all welcome. So hit hit our website to sign up to that. If you know any strong ladies or ladies that want to get strong, don't be afraid to sign them up. They'll love it. It's it's one of my favorite comps of the year. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. I did it last year. It was great. Was that your first comp? That was my second. Your second comp. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. It was, it was cozy last year because of yeah. COVID, right? Yeah, that's right. It was right. a little bit smaller. I think we had to postpone it twice mm. before we actually ran it. And so when we did run it, I can't remember. There might have only been like 20 lifters or something. I think there was less yeah. than that. Yeah, but it was really cool. The small comps, if you're a gym owner and you're worried about novice comps or running comps being too small. The small comps are always the most fun. Mm-hmm. Like because if you set up the gym in such a way with that it's not separated so everyone warming up is watching the comp as well, the environment goes wild. It's really cool. I don't know about you, but whenever I see one of our comps get over like 60 lifters, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. That's a big ass day. Yeah. That's a long day. So whenever I see like, you know, sub 
20 sub 30 i'm like perfect and it's fun for the people watching because you know they're only going to be there for three hours yeah you don't get as much like spectator fatigue yeah people just dropping off but i mean this is why it's important that when we when you do run big comps that you split it up that's why we always do two sessions yeah um because if you four flights is just a nightmare all right so today's topic we're talking about is social media coaching um i guess you guys are all coaches yeah, I mean, like, so I sort of raised this at the start as just like, you know, social media has really impacted and changed the landscape of, of coaching, uh, affected how um, how coaches get clients, affected accessibility to becoming a coach. You know, everyone can be a coach and use social media as an outlet to get clients, to acquire clients. Um, and so I just wanted to, I guess, open up the conversation as to um, what this means for us um, how it means we should conduct ourselves when it comes to uh, to using social media. Um, you know, it, it's it's been something that I've been able to, even though I'm not a social media expert, I think I've leveraged it quite well in terms of growing a really loyal and organic following um, to the point where selling stuff has has been a little bit more successful, or having an influence has been a little bit more successful. Um, uh, I'm always I'm always shocked by how small my personal page is, by but how impactful some messages can be, uh, you know, so, some stories or some posts or something. How how widely spread they can run very quickly, um, and so yeah, social media is for the most part here to stay and and probably going to be the platform that that drives our businesses in terms of coaching. Uh, and I think it's an important conversation to have. I think it's important for people to hear. I think it's important for people to uh, be co- cognizant of of what happens on social media, so they can be more thoughtful about how they conduct themselves from a coaching and a business perspective when using those platforms. Um, and so I guess I, I wanted to open up the question, and you know, I'll throw you under the br- bus, Bridget, because you're you're new to coaching and you don't really use it to advertise coaching. So you you exist, and same to you, CJ. You guys exist more as consumers at the moment when it comes to social media. Um, and so, the best way to to start of sort of start to understand whatever the hell I'm talking about is to think of how you guys operate and use social media like what turns you on or what turns you off you know what what would make you instantly be like this person i don't like maybe you still follow them but you're never going to buy something off them like what might actually what what's an example do you think of something that might um really write someone off for you to the point where you're still willing to follow them because it's almost like watching a train wreck but you're definitely not going to buy something off them when they put other coaches down Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I see that, that I think you need to keep an open mind as a coach on social media. And when I see people just, they've got tunnel vision and this is the way they do it and sort of bugger everybody else, that would turn me right off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting you raise that as well. Like if you're a coach listening to this, never make a coach, never make a post that has the line, if your coach does this, get a new coach. Mm. Like all that saying is that you're focused too much on what other people are doing that you're not invested in your own clients and improving what you're doing. And you have to remember that every coach starts somewhere. Like me, I'm such a beginner coach. And if I had somebody putting me down, it would just, you know, it would make me not want to try anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's still learning. Like We all are yeah. still learning. I'm still learning. Mm. And we can only do the best we can with the, with yeah. the knowledge and the information that we have. Like a coach that you look at and you think, oh, they're not doing the right thing. They're literally trying to do the best by their clients. Yeah, They're trying their best just like I am, just like you guys are. Like everyone's absolutely trying to get the best outcome for their clients. Otherwise, mm-hmm. why With would the knowledge be, that they have. Why yeah. would they be a coach otherwise, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I love that point. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important because people who are super salty and do put other people down can sometimes be really interesting to watch. Yeah, and so they they maintain followers and they maintain yeah. likes and their stuff gets lots of shares and they think, oh, I'm popular. Who gives a fuck? Mm, people like drama. That's all it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What does popularity on social media get mm. you if you can't monetize it? Mm. If that's your goal. P- being popular then means nothing. I I always think, I've always thought this, if you argue with people on the internet and you 
you're being a dick about it. You're literally known for arguing with people on mm. the internet and you're being a dick about it. Yeah, once that's out there, it's out there. The amount Good. of people I've met in real life, and I'm like, you're actually quite cool in real life. Mm. Yeah. But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you know, everyone thinks you're a fucking dickhead mm. just because of the way you carry yourself on the internet. And who gave, the way I always think is like, who gave you the authority to think you know everything? Mm-hmm. Who gave you the golden ticket? Yeah. Why is your opinion so much more valuable than theirs when at the end of the day it's just two opinions on the exact same uh on the exact same thing yeah yeah like i i always think as well like when you think i'm not calling all ifbb pros idiots but like idiots get results too for sure like big they're fucking big and jacked and you know you speak to someone really smart everything they're doing is wrong but it's like is it wrong who who told them it's wrong why are they getting results if it's wrong Mm. for sure for sure. Now, this is a really good saying, which is like, never argument with an idiot because they'll always beat you with experience. That's good. Like, mm. They're always gonna, and so it's it's funny. Like, there are you're one hundred percent on the money. Where it's so easy to create a social perception, a social media perception of yourself, because you have to remember that everything you say and do, people see. Like my golden rule with client communication, with social media stuff is assume that everything that I do is going to get screenshot and shared to everyone. Mm. And if I'm not happy with the perception of myself, that would be as a result of that, I'm not going to say it. I'm just not going to say it. I like if, if I get into an, uh, a discussion that, that gets nasty or something, which I don't, like I don't engage in that sort of stuff. But if I did, you know, if someone was coming at me, I write messages and I read them and I think, what does this look like if it's screenshot and sent to all of their friends? I want their friends to be like, what's your problem? He seems to be reasonable. You know, he seems to be trying to have a conversation. So if you live by that rule, you're probably going to be a little bit more successful on social media. And exactly what James just said then, like you will create your own perception. And there are so, I, I reverse engineered that. I saw people that I knew were smart and I knew were good people. And, and not argumentative in real life and reasonable in real life that were conducting themselves funny on social media. And I created that perception. I'm like, oh, so-and-so commented. Now it's going to you know blow up. And I thought, well, fuck, can I do this the opposite way? And so early on, like before Instagram, before Instagram was a platform we used when it was Facebook groups and forums, my rule was I'm only going to comment when I know my comment is going to get a lot of traction and people are going to agree and think that it makes me look like I have authority and it worked like before I knew it I would comment and the comment would get more likes and interaction than the post itself or people would be like Thomas has spoken kind of thing which sounds funny but eventually I got that perception down pat to the point where I could say something that wasn't even that insightful I could say something that wasn't even that good and people would be like yeah this is awesome Thomas has commented and that really helped elevate my status as being someone worth listening to, even though I wasn't saying that much different than all the other smart people in the thread. It's just they had created perceptions for themselves of that person always gets in arguments. Engaging in arguments on social media, people are watching everything you do. Just remember that. Mm. It's funny because um, like there's, there was a post, uh, Angus Bradley did a post about deloads. And I, I like I like every I like all of Angus Bradley stuff. It's uh it's can be pretty polarizing. But I read one of his things. Like he said, uh, this post was meant to be a circle jerk for me and my followers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, that's exactly who it is for. Like if you're following him and you hate him, like you shouldn't be following him. Mm. Like, well, this is the thing about social media. You know, you you were just saying, who gave you the right to have your opinion or whatever. Mm. That's what social media is. Yeah. Like now you have a platform to share your opinion. Yeah. And so if you're following people and you're like, you're a fucking idiot, you're so dumb, you're the worst, hit the unfollow button. It's easy. You don't be friends with someone you f- don't fucking like in real life. <laughs> so you don't do it on the internet. Yeah. Well, because like, everything I um, read of Angus is I'm like, fuck, he's clever in the way he delivers his message. He's a genius. And that's why he's got such a huge audience. And I always click on the comments and it's always a fucking dumpster fire mm-hmm. in his comments. And I'm like, whoa, look at all these guys that, Look at look at all these comments that have no substance to them. They're just angry. Yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing about him as well is that, or sorry, the, not about him, but about how upset people get at his stuff. He's saying what we all think, or the way that we all think. Mm. So the way that we all think is that we strongly believe our beliefs until they're challenged and changed. Like we we stand firm in our beliefs. So if you ask me the best way to program, I'm going to tell you what I think is the best way to program. 
as an educator, I'm going to be a little bit wishy-washy and be like, you could do it this way. You could do it. But if you just ask me, what do I think is the best as a, as a coach, I'm going to tell you what I think is the best. That's what he does. Yeah. And so people read that and they feel attacked mm. and he's not attacking anyone. He's literally just talking. It's brilliant. I, I'm a big Angus fan. Yeah. I love it. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other big thing when it comes to, to social media is that when it starts to segue into business, um, the other thing you have to remember is again, like people don't separate you from your business. Like people do not separate me from zero. So if I go and do something or say something that is my opinion, people automatically think that that's the opinion of zero. Whereas zero doesn't care about Thomas. Like zero and Thomas are completely different. Zero exists to serve the customer. It is not a reflection of Thomas. All I do is steer the ship. Zero is its own thing, right? But if I go and I say, you know, I'm in this place and I don't like the people here, then people that like those people are going to be like, I'm not buying from zero. That's how you have to think that. It, and so it's really hard for me. It's easy because I have this distinct company that's separate from me, but it wasn't always like that. Like in the start, it was me, PTC Gold Coast, same thing. And I thought like that from the start. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people just don't consider that. So they put their own personal opinions, political opinions, opinions on COVID opinions on vaccinations. It's like your company does not care about COVID vaccinations. It doesn't know what it is. It literally exists to serve the customer. Are you dealing in COVID vaccinations? Then maybe your company cares. But if you're delivering gym services, coaching services, company doesn't give a fuck. And so if you are representing your company, your brand, your coaching, whatever it is, everything you say and do, people will perceive as a reflection of your company. If they don't like your opinion, they will not buy from you. Even if your your service perfectly serves them, they'll be like, no, nah, not buying from them. That's how fickle we are. We're fickle like that as people. I think, you know, all you need to never go back to your favorite chain store is a couple of bad experiences. Then you say, that's human error on, on someone representing the company. The company didn't do anything different, you know, but you go and you say, okay, well, they messed up my order three times. I'm not going back to that restaurant. Maybe the restaurant serves the best food ever and you love it, but you're not going to go back because of a bad experience represented by an employee. That's what you have to look at as the difference between yourself and what your company does. And you have to be super mindful then of how you act on social media. And that can be tricky. It can be really tricky. I'm just, um, <clears throat> just on that. Who are some people that you think do a really good job at, at social media? Oh, um, Obviously, Angus Bradley, he does an amazing job. He creates a lot of conversations, which I think are cool. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't actually put Angus on that list. I think mm. Angus does something quite unique, yep. and I think he's leveraging it well. Uh, but he's always going to exist in – I shouldn't say always. That's speaking in absolutes. I think Angus is going to exist for a while in the niche that he's created for himself, which is great, and he's doing well with it. But I, I – I think of scalability and, and how can that scale well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, the, the the name the names I can't get out of my head right now are uh, Sebastian Arab and Eugene Teo. I was Eugene Teo's on my list as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Like at at some point, you know, they both conduct themselves very professionally most of the time, but you have to then input some of yourself into that. And they're both kind of funny, cheeky sort of people. And at some point you become so big that it doesn't matter as much. And so if you look at the shift of both of them in the last three years, they went from being super professional all the time to way more jokey and sarcastic and stuff a lot more now because they're so big that it kind of doesn't matter. And that if anything, that, that element of being funny and jokey and sarcastic is attracting more and more people. I don't think everyone can get away with that. What I really like about Eugene is he's such an individual. There's no one like him in the industry. Everything he does, like I used to look at Eugene for inspiration on food, the food he cooks and yeah. how he trains and he's so unique and he's so, um, his message is always really positive. Mm. He's never, there's nothing negative to say about him. And I've, everyone I've spoken to that knows him have all had the same experiences with him in real life, mm. which is really cool. So I think he does an awesome job at social media. Another guy I spoke about on the podcast last week, Ben Bruno. Yeah. I don't know if you've looked him up, no. but like- his his con his training content isn't uh, he never tries to come across as someone who's really smart. Mm -hmm. It's just always real fun, uh, 
always really fun training content with his clients. It's he's a really great trainer, but he doesn't try tell everyone he's a great trainer. Yep. He's got results from all his clients uh, and his clientele, which are all you know NBA players, uh, movie stars, and things like that. So I think he does social media really well, mm-hmm. and I know we bring them up a lot. But the Melbourne Strength Culture Boys, yeah, how they just have fun with what they do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, I really like uh, Jordan Shallow's stuff as well. Yeah, he's the man. Like he's shifted from being like hyper educational to a little bit more just like, this is what I do. Like this is me training and this is, and then like the hyper educational stuff stays in his brand. Um, and I, I don't know why, I just find him really, uh, I know him personally, of course, and I, I love the dude, but I also find his stuff just kind of captivating to follow. A lot of the big, big people that I follow aren't fitness space people anyway. Yeah. One of my favorite pages on Instagram is Nusret the Salt Bay. Yeah, yeah I, I love following his page, and then I follow a couple of like um, other Turkish super chefs like him. They're really interesting to follow. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. CJ, do you have any input on social media coaches or what influences you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious. To, similar to Bridget, you know what what uh, draws you in to watch people? Let's talk about specifically in like the the powerlifting or coaching or fitness space. Um, what draws you in to pay attention to people and what would turn you off to not buy anything from someone? I'm pretty I'm pretty simple. Like I think what initially creates a contact for me is just people that have got runs on the board. So of course, you know, I I, I don't know well, when I first started out in powerlifting or just in strength, I didn't really know um any of the big time coaches but I knew the athletes because they're the ones that are famous, right? They're the, you know, so they're the ones that you, you, you want to, I guess, emulate and follow. And so, yeah, f- f- straight up for me, like, you know, I followed, you know, Brian Shaw, Hafthor, Eddie Hall, like the big strong men, um, just because I knew who they were. Like, so you, you can't, yeah, I think for me, that's what creates initial, um, I guess, contact, but, what yeah what keeps me i guess engaged with them i think for me i i'm quite personal like you you can kind of tell if you just like someone or not (laughs) um i think you know there's big keys that like big red flags like as you were saying like if they're putting people down and stuff like that and uh have you know toxicity (laughs) in i guess in their personality yeah that's just a huge turn off and um if they're arrogant like you can just read that but there's certain people like um you know like brian shaw who's just a real doesn't really he takes himself seriously he really cares about the sport and really um gives it everything but he isn't you can just tell he's a real humble guy and then um and then when i go into powerlifting of course the strength strength coaches you know what what comes up big and yeah he's the same like he takes a piss out of himself like doesn't take himself so seriously but he is um like he's got runs on the board like he, he's got um stuff to show for uh, i guess being um very successful in the sport in, uh, himself and in the industry as a coach um so i think initially you, you do look for who's made it and who are um very successful and uh are good and people i guess trust and and then what keeps me i guess engaged with them is just who who they are as a human it's not even um i guess their methods or anything mm-hmm. i think that that's what initially yeah but then as you st- uh, get into it and you start finding more people in the industry just through time and other people watch different people and, you know, you hear about different um, coaches and athletes and their methods of training. It it's it can get a bit um, overwhelming because then you're like, well, everyone's got such a different way of doing things, a different approach. What do I trust? Because mm. there's so much on social media, you know? Um, so there's a lot to sift through and, yeah, I think um, – but really what it, for me, what it comes back to is just, uh, I guess, relatability of, of the person. You can't help it, overlook that. Um, but then, yeah, you, you do use wisdom. You can tell when someone knows what they're talking about. I think every time, like, you speak, you can very quickly tell that you're very well read. 
you very <laughs> like like I'm not, <laughs> but like uh, but the, uh, that's what I mean. That you sound like you really um have studied it. It's like it's not. You can tell when someone's sort of like winging it. I don't know anyone. You and Jordan Hallier articulate yourselves more better than anyone I've ever met. That was the shittest podcast I've ever been on last week. <laughs> trying to talk after them to like, the fuck am I going to say now? Yeah, yeah. I take out with them for the yeah. week. And I'm, I'm just like, like I'm an idiot. Not, I'll just say <laughs> dinner and <laughs> because of the coach development, I'm really good at just filling gaps. Like I'm good at talking without saying anything. And I think Jordan's picked up on that since he's been doing coach development a lot more. So, so he is too, but he's got the accent. Mm. And the accent just like you get lost in it and you're just like, oh, yeah. I'm captivated. Mm. <laughs> the way he says extrapolate, extrapolate really gets me every time. Yeah. Gets me every time. Did you guys see um, Bridget's ears perk up when CJ said the word toxicity before? <laughs> She's like, That's oh, true. yeah, I'm here. <laughs> System of down. Let's do it. No. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, no, I, yeah, I completely resonate with what you're saying, CJ, because like, you have to showcase some personality. You have to be relatable to the audience. Meg talks, talks about it a lot as well. It's just like being real and being you. And, and anyone who's big on social media also references it, especially in our space. Like information becomes stale at the drop of a hat. Like if uh, the, my problem with social media is A, I don't post anything and B, I hate it. But what, back when I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get a following, I was just posting information. And at the start, everyone loved it. Very quickly, it's just like, it's more information. Mm. Everyone's posting information. So it's like, get people in with some information, sure, but then be relatable to them so they can be like, you know, I have something in common with this person. Then I'll listen to the information. It's, it's crazy. Finding information is easy. Sorry. No, sorry, I interrupted. But um, that's crazy because people I look up to in the industry, uh, Killian Hamilton, he's also from Prescript. Yeah. Uh, he's someone like, because I looked at him, I was like, oh, he kind of dresses like me. Oh, he listens to Cameron. He put this song over his video. Just little things like that. It immediately draws me to them. Yeah. And because for me personally, I've always felt like I don't belong in this industry. Mm -hmm. I know we've spoken about imposter syndrome a million times or whatever. But so seeing other people that are very similar to me in certain aspects, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Mm. There are more people that I can relate to in this industry than I think. And, um, you know, like to me, he's a household name in this industry. So... Yeah, for me, it's all about relatability. Yeah, people will pave the way mm. that, that'll like you, like your, I guess, quirks and have similar interests, but that have this interest in common with you as well. It makes you feel more, it just makes me feel more comfortable with who I am to an mm. extent. It sounds sad because you should be comfortable with who you are, but unfortunately, a lot of us aren't. So, um, yeah, it's just cool seeing other people for me that's like, man, that guy's like me. He's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it never stops as well. Because mm. I think there's probably a lot of like up and coming coaches that look at someone like me and they're like, I I've got nothing in common with that person. They've, they've set themselves apart or they speak like this or whatever. But if I spoke about where I came from, then you'd be like, oh, that was exactly where I am right now. And I look at the next people and I'm like, how am I ever going to get there? Then I hear where they came from. And then you hear them talking about the next people. And we're, it's like, it's just mm. a, an ongoing circle. Like we're all just people. We all started, none of us started elevated any higher than everyone else. We all started at the same point, had the same opportunities, and it's just how we've leveraged them and grown over the years, which is cool once you realize that we're all the same. It's the only people that aren't cool are the people that let that elevation get to their head. They're the ones that ruin it for the rest of us. And thankfully, they're far and few between. Most people in this industry, at least, are super cool, super down-to-earth, super humble, super cool to talk to, um, which is why we all get along so well, which is why we can go to somewhere like Pro Raw and everyone hangs out and just chills out no matter, you know, what level of coach or athlete they are because we're all doing the same thing. It's fucking cool. That's actually quite unique to this industry. That's not common. People that are very successful in a field that um, are quite humble. I, I, I think about this quite a bit actually and I think a big part of it is the absence of um, money and attention. To, to this particular sport like it's a sport that without sound, sounding too diminishing you, you can't go very far in terms of like you can't become a professional high-paid athlete in powerlifting um, there are very few people that have been involved in strength sports that have elevated themselves to the point of being super rich because of it and the ones that have are not super rich because of the powerlifting itself but because of how they've leveraged a following in social media 
like you know look look at the Larry Wheelses of the world. Mm. You know, he started off as a big strong Jack dude. He got massive on social media. He blew up, and now he's monetized and leveraged that. It wasn't the actual sport that was paying those bills. And because there's so few opportunities to do that within our sport, everyone stays pretty grounded. That, mm. That's my assumption anyway. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at any other sport where there's millions on the table. Mm. It's cutthroat, right? Yeah. Like James, I'm sure you've seen this. You hang around with a lot of NRL players. You've probably seen it heaps. Yeah, 100. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Good chat, <laughs> great chat. I that think, was good. I think that's us. That, that was, was a that was an off the cuff kind of a podcast mm. as well because Thomas is jet setting, traveling the world. Maybe yeah. <laughs> might be going tomorrow. <laughs> might be. Yeah. So yeah, this might be the last podcast you hear of uh, of us for a couple of weeks because we don't know when we're going to see Thomas. He might be in America next week. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now that you speak about it, far out. <laughs> Could be anywhere. Maybe I will. Yeah. Have we got anything on next weekend that I can skip? <laughs> I don't know. You haven't been around much lately. You've been doing zoo trips of Jordan. <laughs> yeah, how was the zoo? Oh, the zoo was unreal. Yeah. Yeah, I love animals. I love crocodiles especially, so it was it was awesome. The the glitz and glam of like appearing on social media at Movie World and Australia <laughs> Zoo yeah. is really dampened by the fact that you get home at four o'clock tired as fuck and have to stay up till midnight <laughs> writing programs and doing feedback and <laughs> answering angry emails from APL members and all the rest of it. Living the dream. <laughs> Living the dream. That's right. It's behind the scenes. It's the benefit and the curse of online work. It's like your work follows you no matter where you go, anywhere in the yeah. world, but you do have a lot of freedom to then uh, uh, manipulate your schedule to do some fun stuff every now and again. Yeah. That's dope. All right. Well, that's us. Like and subscribe, give us five stars, all of the above, and um, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.